Welcome to Envision from the United Way of Greater Charlottesville and News Radio 98.9 and 1070 AM WINA. With Price Thomas, I'm Robbie Respetto, coming to you right here from downtown Charlottesville. I want to thank our sponsor, Jamie White Real Estate. And with that, Price. So we are this week, I think this is episode eight. Um, and so we've got our second second time we've had someone live in the studio. So we're here with Libby Edwards Allbaugh. So usually I do this and I say, okay, Libby's the owner and manager of the tax ladies. And then we cut to you. But this time we also have board member with the Charlottesville Area Community Foundation, Center for Nonprofit Excellence, Girl Scouts of Virginia. Bear with me. I'm halfway through. <laughs> Skyline Council, National Coalition of 100 Black Women, active with the Chambers Business Women's Roundtable, the Minority Business Alliance, and Women United and Philanthropy. Did I leave anything off? Not today. <laughs> well, in her spare time, she <laughs> goes to Africa with the Sister City Project, etc. And, and et raises cetera. children and does a thousand Correct. thousand other things that Correct. we don't have time time to list. So, <laughs> the original thanks. Wonder Woman. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, we we really appreciate you to being with us. And uh, for for context, because you just told me off air, this is the worst question I could ask you, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> Tell us uh, just a little bit about you. Give us the the spark notes of of what makes you you and what you've been up to here in town. I just said it was the worst question because it can take you anywhere um, when you ask the question, <laughs> telling me a little bit about yourself. Um, but I am a native of Charlottesville, and I love Charlottesville, and I want to put that out on the record. Um, <laughs> over the last you know few years or so, there's lots of people that have lots of bad things to say about Charlottesville. Um, but as a native, um, born and raised in Charlottesville, I, I have to say that I think that this is a great city. I chose to come back here after college. I chose to raise my kids here because it was a safe Um, place with enough culture and enough diversity um, to give them a different perspective. And I know it doesn't have everything that everyone would want, but I think um, as far as what we have, um, we've got a pretty good thing going here. I love that answer because, I mean, all you hear about in the last four years is what's lacking in Charlottesville and all of the challenges and issues that we have. And that's not to say we don't. But it can also be a place to thrive, right? I I mean, absolutely. And and like I said, nothing's perfect and everything um, needs changes or so. But I've seen the progress in the last 50 years um, of where we've gone. And and progress comes slowly um, in lots of ways. But I think we are headed in the right direction. And definitely I have my ideas of some things that I'd like to see um, to make the city and the surrounding um, counties a little bit better. But you know what? Um, you got to work with what you have sometimes. Agree. Okay, so you're the triple threat. You're a small women-owned, minority-owned business. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like navigating the challenges inheriting that and also the added layer of dealing with that during COVID? So that's a triple threat. That's an interesting (laughs) word. I I oftentimes refer to to it as the bottom of the rung, um, as being a a black female business owner in a male-dominated field. Um, So it definitely leads to um, uh, challenges at times, but it also leads to great opportunities. And it motivates me more than anything else um, um, to keep going every day because I've heard throughout life a lot of you can't do these things. And I have a personality where if you tell me I can't, then I'm Mm. definitely going to do or try my best to do um, and to do all that I can. Um, so, you know, definitely obstacles with that triple threat. I'm going to use that now. Right? <laughs> well, it's Price. Threat. i, I got to give this, okay, this my word, Meister. I'm not going to take credit for his okay, words. I'm going to use that triple threat. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to use it to scare people, too. And I'm going to say, I am your triple threat, your worst nightmare. I think there's something there. He came yeah. up with. There's some there, there. Uh, last yeah. night at some point, he's like, triple threat, this woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I take it as a personal challenge or so. And for me, it's encouragement and it keeps me going and it and it feeds me. 
Can can you talk just to follow up on that a little bit about like what? How did you get into accounting? What made you decide uh, to start a tax business here in Charlottesville? And how have you scaled that? People always want to know how people scale things because it's not easy. That's where the magic is, right? Yeah. So um, my world into the tax business started um, helps my oldest uh, eighteen years ago, and basically I'm a poli sci major, um, and had intended on probably some sort of political career of some sorts uh, back in the early days or so. Um, my um, ex-husband is a CPA, um, and so we always had a tax practice with him. Um, and then once I was pregnant with my third son, I it, was, it didn't make sense for me to work. Um, I had other things to do, and I worked in the CPA office. <laughs> And decided that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom reluctantly. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't didn't see the value in that. And don't get me wrong, I think it's great for some people. But for me personally, I had issues with that. Yeah. Um, and then after about three or four years, I was spending more time doing volunteer work than being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> you so found my, ways to so still. My, uh, yeah, the house. So my ex-husband pretty much was <laughs> and like, getting paid. okay, exactly. You're working for free. Yeah. And I was, because yeah. at that point, I think I was running the soccer league um, in Fluvanna. Um, and I was coaching uh, full-time um, boys uh, boys travel soccer for um, my middle son mm-hmm. um, and the administrator for the league as well. So I was pretty much always gone and always doing something or so. Um, so he took me on a trip one weekend and said we were going to the beach mm-hmm. and we pulled up to this place where all these Lady Liberties and Statues of uh, uh, Stat- Statue of Liberties and Uncle Sam's were outside the hotel <laughs> and they were dancing and they were doing all this stuff. And I was like, OK, whatever, you know, I'm here for the weekend. And we go in and we get registered and everything. And I found out that we were at a Liberty Tax um, seminar and he okay. had bought me a franchise. So I read that oh, yesterday so and my funny. first thought was that okay. cannot be true. That's a true story. That is an absolutely true story. And he bought and he and he said, look, you know, you're doing all this work for people for free. You can do this job. You can work for four months of the year and then you can still be with the boys and do all your other stuff. Smart. So I was like, OK, you know, it, that sounds like it's a reasonable plan for me. And he was just like, you 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 do better than most people that I know you understand but the other thing is you can communicate to people mm. with people and one of the real problems in our industry is that we have a lot of brilliant people um, but their ability to communicate with the public and communicate what needs to be done in a non-threatening and um, intentional um, and helpful way yeah. is problematic so people yeah. get scared to go see their accountants they get scared at tax time because they you know they're afraid you know death and IRS are two mm. things yeah, that people are afraid mm-hmm. of definitely fearful so just learning how to um, just being able to be that interface in between and talk to people in, a, in, a, in any language that they need to be able to understand their personal situation and that was a strength um, just that ability to interface with people and then um be able to explain to them what they needed to explain. So that's kind of how, how I got involved, and, and that is an absolute true story. And um, <laughs> when, when we when we sold the Liberty business in, in 2011, um, one of the reasons to sell the Liberty business is a, a franchise is a great business, and it's a great way to get started, but it, I used it as a launching point. Mm. Um, and I also realized that um, we saw people once a year in that type of business or so, and there was a lot of need for year-round help. And mm-hmm. so that's when the Tax Ladies was born in 2011. Excellent. Mm. So uh, you're, this is for those of you who just joined us. You're listening to Envision from News Radio 98.9, 1070 AM WINA. We're with Libby Edwards-Alba here in the studio. Can you Have you felt, as a black-owned, minority-owned business, <clears throat> supported here in town, and especially through, you know, obviously what's been the weirdest 18 months, at least in, in, in my lifetime, have, have you felt like from sort of a structural standpoint, there's been supports in place and, and the ability for you to continue to do your job at a high level? So 
first of all, I and I I'm a hundred percent appreciative, and I understand that my my role into my business is, is the path was a lot different from a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the financial resources to be able to finance my own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a spouse that worked a full time job, so I didn't have to worry about. Um, um, where the next dollars would come through and paying myself, I could actually put all the dollars back into my business and right. actively run my business. And so that's a that's something that a lot of people, um, entrepreneurs, don't have mm-hmm. the luxury of. So I do recognize that, and I will tell people that. So with that being said, my path was a little bit different because I didn't have any debt um, to overcome, you know, when, when sure. hard times come. Sure. And my business in and of itself, because I do so much support for other small businesses, it was a very hectic time over the last 18 months. Mm. I mean, I'm dealing with small businesses that didn't know if they were going to be open in three months, much less 18 yeah. months or mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So there was a lot of different works. We shifted gears. We changed our business format. We started doing things like working on PPP loans and stuff like that. And right. those are the things that kept us very busy for the last 18 months. And the community um, was very supportive. Mm. Um, but that was because we were doing a lot of the work that some people wouldn't do. Um, a lot of small businesses have issues because they are so small um, that the bigger firms, they will take them on as clients, but they become less of priority clients because they're yeah. small sure, business. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure. So we were able to, to, to work with that niche market and, and stay very, very busy. I, I think uh, I took the first time off a couple of weeks ago since January of 2020. Mm. I think wow. I could count. I yeah. had maybe 10 days off to yeah. And I could count them on both hands. So it definitely was not a, um, a time for us where we were ever closed. Our office was open the entire time and we had stuff to do. Yeah. 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 You, so you mentioned your path. Can you just talk a little bit as someone who, you know, understands financial services and finance, things mm-hmm. like that. What, you know, let's assume that the path isn't like yours. Let's assume that they, people are taking on debt or, or the inability to even get a loan that's at a sustainable rate. I mean, what do you, what advice do you give folks who have, who are in those positions or who sort of find themselves, you know, kind of in those corners of like, look, I, I'm a minority. I want to start a business. I'm, I'm, I've taken a 85% loan or whatever the case may be. I mean, how do they work? How do you work them through that? And, you know, and what advice would you or do you dispense to those people as someone who, who, you know, obviously has your expertise? Well, I think there's some great resources in town, and I always refer people to CIC because I think CIC does a great job in getting people prepared for um, for business ownership, for entrepreneurship, and I think they have some opportunities as far as loans that are a little bit more reasonable um, for people to, um, to, to acquire, mm-hmm. um, and so that's a good way to go. Um, I also recommend um, advisors, you know, just mentors, trusted mm-hmm. advisors, um, to work with you and to help you. There's lots of people like myself that have been there and have done that and that are willing to work with other small business owners to kind of help them and to um, help them on their path as well. And I think that's just a really important um, part of what um, we as business owners can do, especially for other, for me personally, for other women and other minority women. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where my focus has been. And as a mom of three boys, I was always doing boy stuff. <laughs> Um, for all my life. So just as my children get got older, I realized the importance of the influence um, that we have on young girls mm. and on women. And so I've kind of really, uh, you know, shifted my focus to doing a lot of work for girls and for girls and women. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, you know, you talked about mentoring. How can a, how can women in our community find a lady mentor? I've, I think about that a lot as 
you know, being a woman leader. You two are, they're both in here. You guys are both well, in the room. So and just I, come here. I know. We're on right? Rosehill Drive. Come down well, here. You bring up a good point. Like, so women tend to just kind of find me at the right time and I'll mentor them for as long as they need. And when they stop calling, I realize it's like a little bird that's flown from the nest. They don't need me to support them in that way. But it's not really um, a formal thing. And I don't even know always how they find me. It's usually an introduction. So, if there's a woman out there right now who's listening to this program and who wants to own their own business or already is in business and really could use somebody who's been in business, whether it be nonprofit or for profit, yeah, what what would be your recommendation? Well, I've I've found out that I've mentored people that I didn't even know I mentored after <laughs> yeah, the fact. Right? And, you know, as same. people have come to you and they've yeah, said, same. you know, thank you. They're I, like, thanks you know, for all the stuff I, you taught me. And like, I'm just I had like, no idea. Oh, you know, I thought we were just <laughs> yeah. drinking wine. Yeah. I didn't know we were <laughs> yeah. um, so you know, I know that the um, Chamber Women's Business Roundtable, yeah. they had been trying to um, um, establish a mentoring program from um, seasoned business women um, for new business women owners. And that's a good group to kind of get involved with and just kind of talk to people and you'll meet a wide, range, wide variety of people or so. Other than that, that's a really good question yeah. because it's it's all I feel like it's a gap. Yeah. If you I look online, there is no like service. There's just no way to connect women yeah. and business that way outside of, you know, the chamber Let's really. Just put that on the list of things to I, do, it's, Robbie. It's actually on my I've actually came up with a name for it already, Libby. We'll have to talk after the show. <laughs> so you're the only people that could do this and make more work. Yeah, out, out we just came it. up with more work while <laughs> doing just an like interview. More yeah. stuff to do yeah, out of the, the back time, of yeah. See man, that's why we just bring people down here to talk to them and then we end up with, with like direct directives coming out of the end of this thing. We're here to talk about Libby, not more projects. But it is. I mean it's, it's always like it's like every time you talk but that when you're talking to people that are, you know, community oriented or so, it's like you can't go into a meeting without talking about, OK, what's the next steps? What yeah. do we have to do next? I mean, we, we've been talking. Um, there's a group of people that are working on this black business directory, yes. you know, different mm. things. I'm working with um, a new group called the Black Empowerment Coalition, which yep. is kind of like a hub group for um, we wanted to be a hub group for all black organizations and black people in town to just kind of um to, to spread the message and to offer resources and training and different things like that. So there's so much to do in the city still, yeah. um, at, but it's being done. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much behind the scenes work is going on and how important that behind the scenes work is. We may not all be out marching, but we are all doing some work that needs to be. Well, the day in and day done. out, right? Yeah. In the trenches, making a difference kind of stuff. And Absolutely. this, this program is about how, people build black wealth in the community and how people support one another. And so all the things you just mentioned are ways daily that that's actually happening. And yeah. so speak, I have an interesting question about that and about sort of the, the your finance world in particular. Cause, and, and I asked Quentin this question too, and just talking about the mentorship and sort of whether it's intentional or just sort of how you move and, and people watching you. Um, and, and especially you know, for me as a young black person, I was raised sort of on 90s hip hop culture, right, which is very based in conspicuous consumption. Right mm -hmm. now, is that is that something that, that you think about when you do your job and just think about, like, not only how do you make money and generate money, but how do you sustain it in a way that becomes generational? Right. Which is obviously a, a historical problem in the black community. Is that part of kind of your work and your thrust or is that kind of adjacent to to what you what you guys are doing well I think that's underlying to everything um, so it's it's part of it because that's the end one of the end results of it but what I find and where I'm finding a lot of people especially in the black community um, is that we're not even 
to the point where we can talk about generational. Mm -hmm. We're still working on some of the basics, um, fundamentals and understanding and understanding the importance. So there's a whole educational piece that's been lost for a generation, which is one of the reasons that just even with our Sisternomics program, it's taking this whole financial literacy, economic empowerment message down to this elementary school level, Mm. you know, starting younger and younger and building the foundation. So I'm not saying that we're giving up on the older generation or so, but we're, we're finding that that I the emphasis and placing on that younger generation to kind of build those foundations and kind of move it through. Um, and then that understanding of that whole generational wealth and how to build it and, and mm-hmm. the different tools that you have, it kind of comes through through that um, through that um, building process mm-hmm. or so. Um, the, with with older women when we would, when we do our women's workshops as far as for um, sisternomics, it's more of a um, reckoning. Um, so and a lot of it is going back and and recognizing what your money habits are, your financial sure. patterns are, and where it came from, and mm-hmm. how. And so some of those <coughs> deep rooted things it takes a really long time to mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to to change. But yeah. what, what we're doing is planting the seed of you know let's think about this, let's get this. What small changes we can make, right? Yeah. Um. So that longer term generational planning, I think, is something that's going to be a end result of the work that we're doing right now. Right. But a lot of that's influenced by culture, right? I mean, to a degree, because I remember growing up, I'd say, all right, like I see, you know, I want that car or that guy moves like that. And that's that, that's what I see. Right. Yeah. So so I see myself in these and, and not even talking about what they're doing, just what they've got. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of understanding like, OK, well, a car is a rapidly depreciating asset. So if I put that in real estate or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That money lasts longer and works for me. But I don't you know, no one tell. I was lucky enough that like my parents told me that mm-hmm. but if you don't you know you're just like well i, I want to live this lifestyle so then all of a sudden it's sustainable for two three four years then all of a sudden when the well runs dry you know i mean and i just i no, don't that I, wasn't really I, a question but no, it was no 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 I, and i i 100 understand what you're saying unfortunately that's a youth issue today okay um, you know a life a cultural lifestyle issue that's more of a cross all racial barriers um sort of issue or so so for me personally I think it's more of an American um, sort mm. of um, mentality mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. It's like Robbie just said, just coming back mm-hmm. from Africa and just having discussions um, with the people there. You know, we spent um, a lot of days just talking to normal people. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about um, their salaries and stuff like that and how much they were making on a weekly, monthly basis, and you should have seen us. Um, yeah. you mm. know, we were like, um, you know, shocked. outraged yeah. and shocked. Sure. And it's like, this is mm-hmm. poverty or so. Mm-hmm. But you, there didn't seem to be too many but their unhappy consumption people. Rate is completely success, though, different. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Their yeah. consumption. American were... consumption is a whole different yeah. level yeah. than when you travel overseas and talk to folks from many different countries, not just sure. Africa. Yeah. Right? So that consumerism here slash leading to debt slash not being able to invest and, in assets is, is a big thing. And, and it's not mentality. just the black community, right? Yeah, it's, that's it's, an American That mentality. is an American mentality. Yeah. Sure. Um, but to your point, Price, you have examples, especially in the hip-hop culture, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, then that's what I'm saying. And even about you two, a very successful yeah. professional Stuff. woman, is how do you define success, right? And, right. and so I, I guess the I question, I think what I was trying to wind back to is that do you feel like it's – do you feel some sort of – responsibility is not the right word, but to move and operate in a certain way, understanding that there are people either in my generation or younger who are looking at you as an example of what success could be? Absolutely. But for me, defining success is – for me, it's giving back, mm. and it's it's that reach, it's that reach right back, yeah. that that 
Agreed. that we've lost a lot of, I mm-hmm. think, over the last 20 or 30 years. And I'll tell yeah. people oftentimes, I was like, I remember when I was younger and somebody got a new job and the whole community came out and mm. celebrated and we had a book <laughs> cookout and we were all excited about it or so. Yeah. And now you see that within the black community. It happens and people are batting their eyes. Well, what'd she mm. do? Why'd mm. she deserve that? You know, right. there, there isn't that whole sense of community. community. That, that whole sense support of... System. Exactly. It's a support system. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and so for me personally... That's how I'm choosing to define success is what I can give back and how I can reach back and help somebody else and pull. Well, somebody and lift else up. people up. Yeah, yeah. How can I lift the people up around me? It's not a competition, folks. No, nope. right? No, yeah, absolutely. There's enough for everybody. There's mm. enough, yeah. literally for everybody. Yeah. 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 yeah, agreed. Yeah. Many people listening may not think that that's the case, right? Because they have not seen enough. Enough hasn't been in their life, yeah. but there is enough abundance in this community um, that we can right lift each other up. Absolutely. There's that's an opportunity. Absolutely. I agree. That, I told you, 20 minutes goes by fast. So, so with that, we're, we're done. Yeah. Big thanks, Libby. Yeah, thanks for yeah. coming down and, and kicking it with us. If you guys have ideas for the show, want to get in touch with with Robbie or me, but mostly her, um, <laughs> check us out on social media, all platforms at United Way Seville. Drop us a note in vision at unitedwayseville.org. If you want to keep up with Libby and the tax ladies and what they're up to, make sure you check them out at taxladiesofseville.com or on Facebook at taxladiesofseville. For Robbie and Libby, who are undoubtedly planning more and more work here, I'm Price Tom. See you guys next week.